Well, good day, everybody, and welcome back to the Extras for another week. My name is Sam, and I'm Jack, and I'm Mike. Oh, welcome, hey. Mike. Hey, good to have you. Good you just snuck in for the, for the <laughs> new year, and it's good to have you. It's we, been a while, mate. We've missed you. I could be a bit rusty. Uh, I apologise for the answer. You'll yeah, be yeah. fine. Um, thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, we have what hopefully won't be too much of a monster episode, but we think it might be a bit of a monster, so uh, we'll do our best to uh, drive in, uh, get get through the questions quickly. Um, we our, our goal here on the extras we want to um, yeah answer all the, the the questions that come out of a Sunday's preaching and uh, yeah try and dig a bit deeper into some of the things that uh, that you've been thinking about and we've got stacks of great questions this week so thank you for your questions if you've sent mm-hmm. one in and uh, we're going to do our best to, to tackle them today let's do it so let's do it so we're in John fifteen if you've got your Bible open you want to be following along that might be helpful um, yeah but let's get in we've got a couple straight out of the the, the passage itself. Um, one of the growth groups uh, guys w- w- was talking about the idea of remaining in Jesus' word. Um, but actually, John 15 talks about um, his word remaining in us in verse 7. Um, and so this was part of the growth group material that we were looking at. And the question is, is there any particular difference or reason why Jesus chose this picture of his words remaining in us rather than the other way around? It's a good pick up to start with, yeah, uh, that's what verse 7 says, uh, if my words remain in you, yeah. I mean, part of the reason we we changed the language a little for the studies was, uh, I mean, partly for the repetition, right, and we, we're talking about remaining in Christ, remaining in his word, remaining in his love, but yeah, it's a really good pick up that the words themselves in the passage are the other way around. I mean, think about it a bit, uh, I think part of the, the issue is um, the, the word of God is something that's spoken to us, it's something that we don't reach out to grab for ourselves. It's something that God gives to us. There's Implanting this... us. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, Paul uses the same kind of language in Colossians 3. He says, let the word of Christ dwell among you richly. So it's something that God has spoken and lives among us, yeah. So I think there is something important in it. It's not that we reach out to grab the word and take hold of it ourselves. It's it's something that God puts in us and, and we want it to remain in us. Mm. And I guess the way, well, I guess our part is... Um, by remaining in his word, his word will remain in us. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, so the reason we use that language was as we think about applying it. Yeah, mm. how do you let the word of Christ dwell among you richly where you stay in the word and saturate yourself with it? That's kind of where we were going. Yeah, but there is something nice theologically about the idea that God plants his word in us, isn't it? Mm. And then the, the, the call is for that word to remain in us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, let, let's keep moving along. Um, Jack, on your outline on Sunday, you, you had one of your sort of verses to go have a look at as Luke 10, 38 to 42. Um, someone's texted in, uh, what does that teach us about our energy and, uh, and time and capacity to serve? Yeah, really excited. Someone wanted to go and have a look at it. That's great. Uh, this passage in Luke is the story of Mary and Martha. So Jesus comes along to his friends Mary and Martha. Mary's running around, uh, distracted by the preparations for dinner, whereas her sister Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet listening to her. And Martha says, you know, Jesus, tell my sister to get up and do something, you know, make her help me. And Jesus says to her, Martha, you're worried about many things, but few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what's better. It won't be taken from her. So Jesus says, Martha, you know, you're you're busy, you're running around doing everything. Mary's picked the best thing. She's listening to my words. That's the thing that really matters. So in terms of thinking about our service, now the point I wanted to make from this is it's it's really easy to be busy. It's easy to do lots of things, uh, to have a lot of people you're caring for and things you're trying to do for them. But if you're so busy that the thing that's squeezed out of your life is sitting at Jesus' feet, Mm -hmm. listening to his word, resting in him, 
then you are too busy. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Nodding all around. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So so that that is the the important thing, isn't it? To to love God more than you love others. That's the first command. The, the second is like it, love others, but love love God and love His Word. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Okay. Um, uh, this question is lovely. Someone, someone's texted in. Hi, hello. Um, the uh, the Greek words for prune and clean. I think that's in in verse three. Is that right? Yep. Um, <clears throat> respectively, come from the same root, and they said pun absolutely intended. Hilarious. I love a good pun. Well Thank you. Done. Mike, did you text this in? <laughs> no, I didn't. Mate, actually. <laughs> I'm not that smart. <laughs> uh, what what can we get from that? Um, is it that that we've been pruned or that we've been cleaned by Jesus blood or what's that getting at and what's the significance of the the, the pun the, the, the likeness there uh, yeah great pick up really love someone having a look at those details uh, so the two things you have the father prunes every branch that doesn't bear fruit and the disciples are already clean or pruned because of Jesus' word. You can kind of see how the ideas go together. Like, by, you know, to prune a branch, you, know, you strip off all the other mm. bits, you clean it of all the other things, just strip it down to the branch. That's kind of the way the language works in the Greek. Yeah. What is the connection? I think there is one. Uh, on the one hand, you've got uh, this, the first pruning. You know, every branch that bears fruit, the Father will prune and make more fruitful. That's sort of part of God's ongoing growth of us as disciples. And I think the language of pruning means sometimes it's going to be hard. Like, I take it a branch, getting all its little bits snipped off, it probably hurts, you know, well, in, in so far as a plant can feel pain, you know, it can't. But, um, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a, you know, it's a tough thing. Like, it's it's not an easy, yeah. easy going, you know, pruning, tough growth. So Jesus says that to his disciples. And then he says, oh, by the way, you are already clean because the word I've spoken to you. He says, you know, there's more pruning, cleaning to come, but don't forget that you already are pruned or clean. And so I think the distinction is Jesus has, you know, brought this once for all cleansing for his disciples his word purifies them of guilt and you know points them to the cross where they are forgiven once for all sin is dealt with but he also says the father's going to have this ongoing pruning because sin is still in your life mm. i think that's the distinction you know you are going to need to keep growing but don't forget that once for all you have been cleansed so that so i guess the the verse three you are clean is a, is a comfort to disciples amidst the potential discomfort of the pruning and the, the fruit bearing and the sacrifice and the love. You know, I guess it's, it's, it's something that's very helpful mm. and almost pastoral of Jesus to kind of say, reassure, mm. you're in, you're good, you're safe. Uh, it's going to be tough, you know, yeah. um, but you're clean, you're with me. Mm. Yeah. Great. Okay. Um, a couple of questions that sort of um, push us to think a bit deeper, perhaps theologically, and just to wrestle some of the, the principles out here. Um, yeah, two really helpful questions. Let, let me throw this one at you. Um, if we do not bear fruit, we're cut off. That's what Jesus said. What if we once did bear fruit, I think, mm. um, but are going through a period of not growing due to doubt? Doubts are really serious. And thank you to the person who uh, has asked this question. And we feel your pain because mm. doubts can be really debilitating for the Christian um, doubts are not um, unusual. Um, uh, doubt is kind of a difficult faith, perhaps not an absence of faith, but a difficult faith. And uh, it's pretty common for Christians to go through times of doubt. Mm. And in times of doubt, um, the best thing you can do is just keep coming back to God's love, um, keep coming back to the truths of the gospel that Jesus really did live, he really did die, he really did rise again those wonderful eternal truths that we really can 
um, base our whole lives on. But we understand, and we've all been there, there are times where uh, that trust in those things is, is really, really difficult. And I think that's what doubt is, difficult, difficult faith. And so I would say to you, without knowing the, the full picture, and as I said, like, you know, really feel your pain, is just to keep coming back to those great truths that we know and love from Scripture. Um, and if, if that doesn't, you know, if currently your doubt means that you are pulling back a little bit, at one level I want to kind of say, that's okay, mm. um, um, we get it, um, maybe for a season, you know, it's appropriate just to kind of take stock a little bit. Um, but also we want to say, look, heed the warning of Jesus. This, this is really serious. You know, it's fruit or it's fire. Mm. And so if, if God um, kind of pricked your conscience on Sunday with that, um, keep wrestling your doubts. Uh, don't do it alone. Uh, ask questions. Ask a friend. Pray about it. Mm. Um, that wonderful prayer in, uh, I think it's in Matthew's Gospel, you know, I do believe but help my unbelief. It's mm. a great thing to pray. Um, and don't pull back fully from service. Don't don't let your doubt completely hamstring you from service. You might be doing a little bit less now, but hopefully, if the intentions are good, that you want to serve, but you're just feeling a little bit mm. crippled by the doubt, um, hang in there. Mm. And don't don't pull back from Jesus. I think is the mm. thing. So, like, I think what can happen in those moments is you feel sometimes if you you're in a team or you're part of a ministry or something like that, and you feel like it's a bit of a public thing to say, "Hey, I got to I got to step back from this." Um, and so in the midst of your pain and your suffering, what you pull back from is reading the Bible and spending some time mm. in prayer and meditating on, on the promises of God. And actually the most important thing that you need, which is just the, the, the basic disciplines of, of, of a Christian, you drop away from them and you keep doing the other stuff. And that's a recipe for disaster, I reckon. Um, so don't, don't pull away from, from Jesus and keep coming back to, those, like you were saying, Mike, those, those big truths. Jesus did come, he did die, he did rise. Um, and, and yeah, keep reminding yourself of those things. So it's a bit Mary and Martha again, isn't it, at that it, point? It is. You choo choose what is best, um, mm. which is, yeah, God's love for you in, in Christ Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I wanted to add is that as a church, we want to take doubt seriously. Uh, we don't want you to feel like there's any question that's taboo or, you know, too big to handle. Sometimes like, that can be the feeling, oh, you know, I've got these doubts, I don't want to rock the boat, so I'm just kind of... Mm. you know internalize it and suppress it and that doesn't help because like big questions don't go away big questions need to be answered mm. we have a big god who is able to answer big questions and there are good answers out there so don't feel like you know we're afraid of doubts and don't want to hear about it please speak up come and talk to us yeah. we want to help okay um another question sort of uh not sort of on sort of thinking it through um is it okay to go through seasons of serving more out of duty than love. You guys both spoke on Sunday about that, the sort of the motivation for service and the love for others. Um, yeah, what, what if I'm doing it out of duty? Is that okay? Yeah, great question. Uh, this is one of the points I didn't quite get to in my talk, so glad to get to speak to it a little bit. First thing to say is it's easy for the idea of duty to get a bad rap. In our, I think particularly in our day and age, uh, mm -hmm. we feel like um, you know, everything that's true is really authentic and, you know, yeah. if I'm doing what I want to do, then that's, you know, real. Whereas if I'm just doing something because I feel like I have to, you know, yeah. that's kind of self-repression almost. Like that's, you know, we, 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 we come to it and think that duty is a bad thing. Yeah. But I don't think that's the way the Bible sees it. Like the scriptures tell us we are servants, we have a Lord and we have a duty to him. Like Jesus tells this parable, Luke 17, he says, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or this is verse seven. One of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now, sit down to eat? 
Won't you rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that you may eat and drink. Will the master thank the servant because he did what he was told to? And the point so far is, look, a servant, you know, doesn't get a round of applause for doing his job. Like, he's a servant. He, he does what he's told. And then Jesus says, so you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. In the Christian life, we serve a king. Mm. We are called to obey him. So duty matters. You know, it's important for us to do our duty. Mm. I mean, that's not the whole story, though. Like, Mike, what would you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I've been using the little line in this series, um, God's love is the soil out of which healthy discipleship grows. And um, understanding that the God of the universe loves you, that Jesus loved you so much that he died for you, really is going to be the thing that underpins uh, every part of healthy discipleship, whether that's um, remaining in Christ's word or Christ's word remaining in us, um, serving others. We're going to talk about... um, Kind of evangelism and witnessing and mission uh, this Sunday, and um, yeah, underpinning all that needs to be an understanding that God loves you, and that hopefully that elicits love from you to Him, and um, that healthy discipleship will grow out of out of that relationship. And so, really, if we can get the kind of the balance right of God's love um, motivating us and, and um, obeying our Lord, yeah. Uh, it's a good combination and I guess yeah there'll be seasons that there'll be times where one perhaps feels more important than the other or is driving more the ideal would be to kind of have both in it in that healthy balance yeah no, that's really helpful guys let's um let's turn the corner a little bit now and and think sort of some of the ways to apply some of these things um, in our day-to-day life and our, and our serving um, uh, someone's texted in uh, look what is if I was serving grudgingly, you got any symptoms that I might be exhibiting and um, and any tips to, to stop me from serving begrudgingly? Um, how can I serve uh, more out of love in, in, in my service? Yeah, well, let me just repeat my last answer, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, keep coming back to God loved us first and that Christ served us first. Um, that would be my first step. Mm. There's, there's lots. Jack, give us another one. Yeah, sure. I think sometimes... Serving can feel particularly begrudging if we don't get why we're doing it. We don't see how it fits into the bigger picture. Mm. I mean, if you're at night church and you serve on our dinner payments team, like if there are afternoons when that feels like I'm just sitting here and taking money, like, you know, this feels pretty, pretty menial. It can feel like, you know, it can feel like a grudging thing if you just look at the task itself sometimes. But uh, one of the things that can help is to see how does that fit into the bigger picture? You know, the reason that we're doing that is so that we can you know, have dinner together as a church, you're facilitating the fellowship of the saints, getting to build each other up in love, that's a wonderful thing. You get to, you know, greet everyone as they come into church and have conversations with people, like, seeing the the why this is happening. And all that's happening because, you know, we're making disciples. Like, Mm. the things that happen at church that we serve in are not just um, things that we do for the sake of it. Like, you know, God willing, we're gearing all of this towards making disciples. So seeing how your serving fits into people coming to know Mm. and stay with Jesus that's something that helps helps me to, to serve when it might be otherwise a bit grudging. Yeah, see the why. Yeah. yeah. I'd also say pray if you're finding serving hard. Pray that God would give you the, the perspective that Jack's been talking about, but also just the energy to do it. Um, I think that could be a really practical tip. Mm-hmm. Um, serving with others rather than going it alone. I think, Jack, you might have said on Sunday, you know, t- serving is a team sport in, in yeah. church, not an interview. And, and we, we are. We're trying to create 
teams of teams and teams um, to serve. And it could be more fun um, doing it with others rather yeah. than flying solo. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and bring the fun as, as you come to those teams. Um, you know, make, serving doesn't have to always... Some things are very serious, but... We don't have to do everything we do with, with total seriousness and kind of, you know, we, we can we have music and we can laugh and we can, you know, do stuff mm. after we, you know, you have to go and clean something. Well, great, go and do it and then go and have some fun together afterwards and, yeah, br- bring a bit of fun to, to it sometimes and, and enjoy being with each other as we serve. Nice. There's some tips. Hmm. There's some good tips. Okay. Um, uh, how do you s- navigate serving someone, looking after another person, perhaps, um, in a, who's going through a really difficult season when you also are going through a really difficult season? Yeah, thanks. Again, feeling the pain behind this question. Um, yeah, there, we all go through seasons. We all go through ups and downs. Um, we get that. Um, the great thing about being part of the body of Christ, which we are here, is that it's not all about you. It's not even all just about the other person that perhaps you're serving. Um, if there's times when you're really under the pump and struggling, um, it's okay to say so, to, mm. to cry out for help. Um, we we want to support you. And, and it is also okay to perhaps pull back um, if you're struggling, to pull back serving the other person who is struggling and entrust them to the church, to somebody else. Uh, It doesn't have to all be about you. And sometimes we can be a little bit unhealthy in that, thinking that I'm going to be the solution to this person's problem. No, we're part of the body of Christ. And and, uh, we again, don't do it solo. We're part of teams. We're part of the family, the body. And so um, feel free to, um, not flippantly, obviously, but I don't think this person would be flippant since I asked this question, but to actually entrust them to somebody else. Yeah, Yeah, really helpful. I think it's right to realise that we have, finite capacity ourselves sometimes if you're going through a hard season you're probably the worst person to care and serve your friend who is also going through a hard season if, if you're you know to, to serve someone who's doing it tough requires you to to pour yourself out uh, to to love and care for them and if you got nothing left in the tank then you're not going to be able to do that very well anyway so i'd encourage you to yeah do everything that mike has said um pray ask for help call out for help we're here to bear each other's burdens yeah the church is more than just two people yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Mike, I think you spoke on Sunday a little bit about um, married couples serving singles and vice versa. Yep. Um, someone's uh, just texted and said, look, what, what are some examples of what that might look like? Yeah. Um, this is something um, our family is, is trying to wrestle with, how to, how to do this better. Um, and look, we, we're trying to just have our house as open as possible. Uh, so... Um, always having other people over for meals, I think, is a really good start. Um, uh, including them in just the daily mundane things of life, um, uh, but also um, perhaps even kind of more intimate things like reading the Bible together with, with uh, people outside of your family, with your family, and kind of doing family devotions. Um, and then uh, perhaps. A little bit deeper, I'm, I was challenged last year, I think in a talk somewhere, um, I was asked the question, how many people um, own a key to your house? Which might seem like a funny question. Um, but uh, if it's just the members of your household and no one else is, maybe your family is a little bit too insular and maybe you need to kind of um, uh, extend the boundaries a little bit to other people. So we've, we've kind of given a few keys to a few people who aren't blood members of our family. Yeah, nice. 
Yeah, good. I mean, you do that within the contractual, you know, abilities of your lease. Uh, you know. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I think the point is right, isn't it? Which mm. is that uh, do do we treat our blood family as this sort of sacred thing that, no, that nobody can come into, mm. or do we open it up and say actually we, we want to share and serve others? So there's an example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think I want to say also um, don't feel like it's only married people who have a monopoly on the the initiative. I guess in this whole discussion, like mm. if you're a single person. Now, let me encourage you to be seeking opportunities to involve married people and families in your life as well. Mm. Sometimes uh, I get the impression that uh, as a single person, you can almost feel bad, you know, inviting uh, your married friends to to come out to something or to come over, whatever it is, you know, to feel like, oh, you know, I'm a single person, I've got this time, I know that you don't, it can feel like a burden. Mm. I think it's helpful to let people say their own no. Mm. Uh, by that I mean, I recently, you know, a single friend invited me out to you know, go out to a club on a Saturday night or something and uh, uh, they probably knew that that was going to be tough for me with my little kids at home. I know it's going to be tough for me and in the end I wasn't able to go. But the fact that they invited me is is such a lovely thing. And even though I couldn't go, you know, I don't feel bad that I, you know, I don't feel like really devastated that they asked me and I couldn't do it. You know, like mm. it's okay to ask someone, even if they might not be able to, that can be a great way to mm. even show that you're open and, and, and inviting a relationship there. Yeah, I mean, the other thing to say is we're talking about this on Saturday, aren't we? Oh, thank you, Jack. Yeah, yeah. Shameless plug, guys. Singleness, marriage, and the kingdom of God is on this Plus Saturday. Day. Plus day. Thank you. <laughs> 29th of February. Um, seriously, it's going to be a great morning thinking through the issues from 1 Corinthians chapter 7 of how singleness is better, but also how marriage is better. And how to actually do those two things better together for the kingdom. Super, super important. Yeah. Come, so come along. along. Um, details are on the website. Yeah. You can register there. Um, yeah, please come. Be great. Okay. Um, another part of service is generosity. Um, how, how can you encourage others to be generous? Um, would one way be telling others how you spend your money? Great question. Um, to start with, I mean, you want to encourage others to be generous. A couple of things you want to do first. Um, read the Bible with people. Uh, open up 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. That's one of the real purple passages of Scripture that call us to be generous. Um, yeah, encourage people with those, you know, big theological realities. You know, your money is not yours. It all belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. We're just stewards of His mm. His resources that He's entrusted to us. All those things, you know. The, the foundation of generosity has got to be God's Word. But that said, I mean, your own personal example is an important part of, mm. of this. And not, I mean, this isn't just generosity, the whole of discipleship. You know, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Uh, the way that we live speaks about discipleship uh, as well. So I'd encourage you to, uh, yeah, be willing to, to talk openly about generosity. We live in a, a culture where uh, as much as the world is about money, you know, people don't talk about money. Like, to talk about... Yeah, your personal uh, finance, we, we just don't do that, um, do we? Yeah, like, you know, that's a... Uh, maybe the last taboo, I don't know. But um, yeah, it's, I think it's a good thing to be open about and to be countercultural at that point. Um, uh, as, a, as a younger Christian, I mean, one of the things that I appreciated was when older Christians would speak frankly about money because mm. if someone doesn't... I mean, it's one thing that, yeah, let's talk about the big theological truth, but that doesn't help you with the really practical questions like, okay, well, here's my financial situation at the moment. How much should I give? Like, what is being generous and being responsible? Like, to actually talk nuts and bolts, you need someone who's going to be willing to... Yeah. to speak frankly so that you can understand what that will look like for you as a disciple. 
Yeah, no, that's really helpful. And I think um, we do that in the context of discipleship probably is the mm. best way. I mean, there's there's the, I think the thing that often holds Christians back on this is they're, they're thinking of what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, which is, you know, don't, yeah. let, your, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, give in secret. Mm. Um, I think he's not necessarily, I don't think Jesus is banning financial conversations at that point though. Yeah. Um, I, I think in the same way that he says, um, when you pray, go into your room and close the door. Um, he's trying to warn us against the, the pride that can come when you show off mm. in, in any form of godliness. Um, and so just as much as the person praying up the front of church needs to worry about doing it to be seen, um, I don't think he's banning public prayer at that point. Yeah, and totally. I think in the same sense. So sometimes that's one of our worries. Um, so we do have to worry, do, do have to be cautious about um, not wanting to show off, not wanting to sort of go, hey, look, look at how generous I am. But in the context of discipleship and wanting to teach a younger brother or sister or, or a peer or something like that about how to be godly with finances, um, I think that can be really helpful. And it's, it's something we do in, in marriage prep, Soph and I, when we... Um, you know, come to the, the the budget week, and we talk about how do we do. We actually share with people. This is how we do our budget. Awesome. Um, here's here's our giving portfolio. You know, the the various people that we give to um, in Christian ministry, and and I think that often leads to really helpful, fruitful mm. discussion about um, where where a couple can start. And we do that because someone did that with us when we were getting married, and uh, and I think it's shaped our marriage um, wonderfully. And, and if that person had never challenged us, we never would have gone there. So, yeah, really helpful, mate. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, moving on to some more application, um, motives. Um, Jack, you spoke about this a, a little bit on Sunday. Yeah. Um, and someone's texted in, look, we'll never have truly pure motives because we're sinners. So um, Matthew six twenty four, I think, was one of the passages that, that was noted about at serving only one master. You can't serve God and money. Yeah. Um, so does that mean that we, sh- we, we shouldn't serve until we kind of, get pure motives because we'd somehow be serving some other master other than God and God says don't do that. Um, so do I wait till I've got pure motives before I do anything? Good question. Uh, no. It's the short answer. <laughs> um, <Next>. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Sermon on the Mount sets such a high bar. You know, serve yeah. God. You know, you cannot serve two masters. You know, the Sermon on the Mount also says be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. It is a high bar that, that we are called to. And part of the reason for that is Jesus is showing us that we can't do it on our own. We can't be good enough. We need him to save us. Yep. But he also gives that that word to us as the, the ideal to strive towards with God's strength by God's grace. So, yeah, he sets that before us. You, mm-hmm. you should not serve anyone else because you have no other master other than God. In this world, your motives will never be pure. We're in a fallen world. We mm-hmm. still have uh, the reality of sin in our lives. And if you sit around waiting until you have pure motives to serve God, then you never will serve God mm. this side of glory. And I take it God knows that. In the other parts of the Bible, when he tells us to serve, I take it he knows that we're, we're in this life because of our sin. We're not going to do that purely. Um, so what do you do with that? Well, when you, to, for, start, for starters, you serve. You set out, find some way to serve God, strive to serve him in the whole of life. When you realize that your motives aren't pure, you repent and come back to God and ask his forgiveness and ask him to change you and purify your heart so that you would. Uh, be be serving him uh, yeah keep keep growing towards it don't wait to be perfect mm. set out to grow towards it I mean that's what this whole series is about mm. yeah great um, we've got three to go so uh, we'll see how we go we, we, we're tracking okay 27 minutes well done you, you're hanging in there <laughs> uh, friends and, and we'll, we'll try and uh, yeah we'll see how we go um, <laughs> this next one's a comment so uh, let me let me share maybe you guys want to um, respond to this um, thanks Jack for speaking about being aware of serving too much that's really helpful this is a huge issue in this church and it seems that most often it is not encouraged to step back if we need to 
It would be great if this was implemented practically in this church by supporting those who do need to step back without pushing them to keep serving and serving until they burn out. Yeah, for starters, thank you for the comment. Uh, thank you for the honesty. Uh, there's two ideas that I guess we're trying to hold together in the Christian life. One is we're called to sacrifice. That's what we see in John 15. You know, greater love has no one than this, that they would lay down their life for their friends. And so Christian service will be tiring and it will cost you. And, and if it doesn't, I mean, if you're going through the Christian life and just always feel like, yeah, I'm, this, is, this is easy. You know, I'm never tired. You know, I don't understand what all the fuss is about. If, if that's what life is like for you, then you're probably not being generous enough, not as generous as you could be. So, yeah, it should be costly. And yet, if you expend yourself uh, completely to the point of burnout so that you can't get out of bed anymore, that's something that is going to uh, undermine the cause of the gospel because then you can't serve anymore. Like, if you serve yourself to extinction, then there's there's no service left. So those are the two things we're trying to hold together. And uh, if you want to read about this more, a book that I found really helpful is by Christopher Ashe. It's called Zeal Without Burnout. And the line that he gives is that uh, the Christian life is about sustainable sacrifice. So you want to pour yourself out for the service of others, but you want to be able to do that, God willing, over a lifetime of service. So it's got to be sustainable. So as much as it costs you, as much as it's tiring, you still want to keep uh, filling up your tank. You want to keep uh, recognizing your own limitations and not pushing yourself to burnout. So, yeah, we want to hold those things together. If you feel like you are, you know, on the brink of destruction and you're serving too much, we don't want you to carry that burden. And, yeah, uh, if, if... if this feels like a church where people are pushed to serve until they burn out, that, that's a problem. And, and we don't want that to be uh, your experience of serving a church. Don't feel like you, you cannot stop and you can't talk to anyone. Oh, I've got to keep doing this thing or else it's all going to fall over. We don't want you to do that. We want you to come and talk to us. And, and if you're finding it tough, please tell us. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we have a, a vision, obviously, with for everyone to be a healthy disciple of Jesus. And mm. we want everyone to be serving because that's part of being a healthy disciple of Jesus. And um, we are aware that some people, you know, there's various capacities out there as well. Um, um, Sam, we were talking earlier, weren't we, that uh, there's still lots of people, particularly at night church, that we'd, we'd love to be kind of serving, kind of getting getting in the saddle to start with. Is that right? Well, that's right. I mean, um, and, and this is part of the, the difficulty with this in that sometimes people hear a sermon like this um, and, and it's hard, a church like ours, there's a broad audience. Yes. And some people will hear a call to serve and say, I'm doing so much. Uh, and yet, I mean, I think double check this number but it's in the 90s there's there's 90 odd people who are sort of part of our role at night church who don't serve in any formal capacity Mm. Um, so some people will feel like i am running my guts out and other people are are yet to to get involved and so we we do need to kind of see a a balance in that and so if you're one of those people who is really running hard then um, don't don't feel any pressure when you hear a talk like what jack gave on sunday night that says you know get involved and get serving don't don't feel that's a pressure word on you to say keep going but if but but there are plenty of others who are not in that boat and that's one of the hard bits about leading a church um, there's a breadth of experience that people are sort of living in um, and, and we're trying to help everybody but we we don't want to give the impression that you can't ever step back and that's certainly not what we're on about um and the best thing to do if that's the case is is speak early don't don't wait and wait and wait and think it's some big thing to come and talk to someone to say hey i need some help or i need to step back um often people wait till it's too late i think and we we Mm -hmm. want to encourage you we'd love to hear from you we want to talk to you because we love you and we, we want to help you be healthy as a disciple so yeah absolutely good all right um 
one of the things that got mentioned on Sunday was serving according to needs. Um, somebody's texted in uh, saying, serving according to needs is really tricky as when, I, when we start something, I feel like I'm a drain on resources when I'm learning the ropes. So how can we best learn the ropes in a new serving space? I love this question. Thank you so much <laughs> to whoever asked it. It's, it's so helpful to acknowledge. Yeah, when you start out serving at something, you might not be very good at it and, and you will feel like, oh, you know, all these people take all this time to give me feedback and, you know, I feel like I'm just wasting everyone's time. Uh, it, it's, it's a wonderful thing to, to bring that kind of humility to serving in a new way. Because the alternative is you can come and say, all right, there's this need in church. All right, I guess I will stoop down from my lofty pedestal to join this team and, you know, hello everyone, I'm here, aren't you glad? The cavalry's come, you know, I'm ready to come and save the day. And I've got this, I can do this. Yeah, I don't yeah. need your help. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like, uh, and that, like, that attitude is, is, is just not that helpful because the reality is when we try something new, we're not going to be good at it most of the time. So it's wonderful to, to come and acknowledge that. And I want to say, don't feel like you are being a drain on resources if you are learning the ropes. You know, this is what we talk about. We want people to, to step up and, and try new things and, and grow towards serving in a new role. Uh, we have a wonderful, you know, each our teams have team leaders who love to have new people join and, and train them up and, and invest time in them. Never feel like that's, you know, a waste of time. For us as, as, as gospel people, that's our core business. Like we are on about raising up the next generation and investing in them. And, and that does take time, but that's time well spent. Mm, mm. So, I mean, the, the second other question, how can we best learn the ropes in new serving spaces? I think the, the best way to do it is, is come with that humility, come um, being teachable, mm. come with a, a, a desire to learn, come um, desiring to be a team player. And, um, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's a, they're, they're the how-to. Yeah, like right? maybe uh, don't, you know, don't shy away from correction and feedback like don't ah, feel like nice. if someone corrects yeah. you you know don't take it personally you know, like mm. you can come with that saying oh yeah please help me get better like i'd love to know what i did mm. wrong what i can do better next time yeah yeah and maybe don't buy into the the mindset of um uh, excellence and perfection is what we're always striving to do mm. um if that were the case we'd never let anybody new try anything but actually the gospel could potentially die out at that point because part of the, the whole model of church is to keep handing the gospel forward to the next generation who can learn the ropes uh, in order to preach it and run church. And, and, and so that means not always doing the most efficient thing, not always doing the most excellent version of stuff um, in order to train a new generation of people with all the multitude of skills that are needed for the church to keep going to the next generation. So we, we, we want to stand, we want to do things well, but we want to stand aside from the, the excellence and perfection sort of thing that the world has, which you only do it when, you, when you're great at it, you know. Mm, when you've arrived. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When, when, when it's good enough to go on YouTube or something like that, you know, like we, that's not our goal. Our that's goal. a pretty low bar, isn't well, it? Well, actually, maybe that is. It depends on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, last one. Let, let's, let's bring this home. Uh, in regards to serving where, where there are needs, there are always needs at church, even if there are all hands on deck. So then, how do we serve well but also consider our season of life, which may be incredibly busy when there are always needs. All right, let me be cheeky to start with. Mm -hmm. There are always needs at church, even if there are all hands on deck. I haven't actually seen it yet. Don't think I've seen a church where all hands are on deck, so I'm not sure if I'm with, with the person, but I'm being cheeky on it. <laughs> Sorry. Jack, give us uh, some I mean, it's, yeah, it's, that's a helpful observation, yeah. Um, yeah. Part of the answer to the needs is those, you know, like we just said, those, you know, 90-plus people just at night church, if you're able to serve and you're not serving, please mm. step up. We want to mm. see you growing as a disciple. 
stepping up and serving. However, that said, even if all of those 90 people immediately jump in this week and we have you know a huge team of people now ready to serve in all those sorts of ways, you know what will happen next year? We'll start new ministries, we'll start new teams, mm. and once again, we'll we'll have more needs. Yep. So there will always be needs. I think part of the answer is, is just reflecting on, reflecting on what a need is. How many of our, what we call needs, really are you know, genuine, objective, absolute necessities? So, for example, we might say, oh, you know, this year, you know, we've got we've got three music teams at Night Church. We only have two drummers, so we really need to find a third person to serve us on the drums. We've got drummers. We're good. Sorry, yeah. yeah. We've got an um, excess of drummers, but I, I like it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. You could, you know, you could say that's a need, but at yeah. one level, well, you know, we could cut back to two music teams, that's or right. we could cut music back to one acoustic guitar, or we could have no instrumentation, just all sing from the floor. Like, yeah. how, what, what, when is a need a need? A lot of the things that we think we need, uh, God will, you know, carry on with his purposes without them. Mm. I mean, there are some things that, you know, we really do, you know, even if they're not absolute needs, something like growth group leaders, you know, we, we think growth groups are a huge, important, great part of discipleship. At one level, you could have a church without growth groups, sure. But we think it's a really good thing. So we do want to, yeah, we, we would say we need growth group leaders. And we want people to keep uh, training up for that. Yeah, I mean, just diving a little bit deeper into the question, because um, I think, Jack, you talked particularly about the, the, the contrast between gifts and needs. So we, yeah. we often serve according to gifts, and that's appropriate, but it's also appropriate to serve again um, according to needs. And I guess if you're trying to wrestle that, the how of that, probably a good thing to do is actually to talk to um, your congregational pastor and say, look, um, where do you think I could serve best because mm. I have these gifts but the pastor might actually know where the needs are and mm. so if it, that, just kind of teasing out the how how do you serve well um, don't make the decision in isolation yeah come and talk to us and we'll see if we can find a good space that's going to fit both in terms of your gifts your capacity but also the, the needs of the church that's really helpful Guys, I think we'll leave it there. Well done. Um, well done if you're still listening at this point. <laughs> We're glad that you've hung into the end. And uh, yeah, so many good questions. And uh, hopefully it's been helpful to take some time to, to tease them out with you. And uh, I love that our church is thinking so deeply about serving. And, mm. and our prayer is that we'd be a healthy church on this front, um, mm. serving healthily um, because we're, we're in that rich soil of the love of, love of God. So... Um, yeah, uh, thank you, Jack. Thank you, Mike. Um, we'll see you uh, hopefully on Saturday. If if you want to make along to the uh, to the conference we're running um, on singleness, marriage, and the kingdom of God plus dating, um, or, or otherwise we'll see you at church on Sunday. Thanks. Okay, see you then. Bye.